Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Today we're going to talk about God's faithfulness. And I want to draw your attention to a book in the Bible that is seldom talked about in Scripture. It's the book of Lamentations. And uh, as you find it, because I know it's going to be hard for you to find it, as you find it, let me give you a synopsis of that book. The book of Lamentation was written in a crucial time in the history of the people of Israel, particularly the people of Judah. Um, it is said and or believed that the author of Lamentations is uh, the prophet Jeremiah. And the reason why they attribute it to him, although there's not proof, but uh, they attribute it to him is because Jeremiah is considered to be the crying prophet or the weeping prophet or the prophet that is mourning or lamenting. And so the book of Lamentations is a book of lament, of mourning, of crying. And so they attribute it to him because he was a crying prophet. Now what caused Jeremiah the prophet to cry? He's crying because of the condition of God's people during the time of his prophecy. And as Jeremiah, you guys looking for lamentations? And, and, and as Jeremiah, as Jeremiah is prophesying, Israel had lost several things. First and foremost, the temple that Solomon, King Solomon, had built to God was destroyed, was demolished. And God allowed that to happen because of God's people decided to live in disobedience towards God. They decided to live a life contrary to God's will. And so consequently, they began to experience the consequences of that disobedience. And I say that as an undergird to encourage you and to remind you of the importance of being faithful to the God you serve. They were faithful to God when they came out of Egypt. They were faithful to God in many occasions in their lives. But there came a moment in the life of Israel that whenever they felt cool, calm, and collective, they would decide and opt to go backward and away from God. And every time they would go away from God, they would experience... Is training out there or is that me? Oh, so I can take my time. Ain't nobody going to know. It's going to rain all day. They would experience consequences. Consequences. And so I want to encourage you, church, to stay faithful to the God that brought you out of the mess you were in. Because if you opt to go another direction, and, th and this is the problem that many people have with God. Many people have this problem with God. And they come to the conclusion and say, God, you're not as faithful as the Bible says you are. Because every time I need you, you're not there. Now the question is not, God's faithfulness is not in question. What's in question is your obedience to God. God will always be faithful. But if I decide to go contrary to God. I have to experience the consequences of my decisions. 
And my consequences, God is not going to intervene in that because there's an irrefutable law called the law of retribution, which means that everything you sow, you're going to reap. But many times we go away from God and then we get mad at God when God allowed things to happen and we conclude that it was God's doing when all along had we stood with God, we would have never experienced what we're experiencing. So the prophet Jeremiah is crying because the city, the nation of Israel, has experienced the result of the consequence of their actions. And it is in that context that Jeremiah prophesies to a nation who is wayward, who is backward from God. And he is trying to encourage them, listen, if we just come back to the Lord, he will make a way for us. So that's the undergird of the book of Lamentation. And somewhere in between the crying and the bitterness and the sadness and the losing and the destroyed temple. And they haven't been able to build the temple. It was 400 years that the temple was destroyed. I mean, it was just crazy. And during that chaos, God gives a word to Jeremiah. And that's the word I'm going to share today with you. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 20 through 24 says, Because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. But rather, they are new every morning. Great is, come on, your faithfulness. I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait. I feel like preaching right now. I will wait on him. The word wait is not sit down, relax, cross your legs, and wait like you wait for a bus. The word wait is like a waiter serving you at a restaurant. Until he comes, I am going to serve the Lord. I want to encourage you today and remind you of the faithfulness the God you serve. But in order to do that, let me define to you what faithfulness means. Faithfulness, or to be faithful, implies a long, continued, and steadfast fidelity to whatever one is bound to by a pledge or a duty or an obligation. Faithful implies someone who is a committed, loyal person. Faithfulness is someone who is committed to someone or to something. And sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes we put our trust in someone only to become disappointed by that person because that person did not keep his or her promise. I don't know if you know somebody like that, but that person might be sitting next beside you. So don't, don't amen real quick. Just, just look straight and fake it till you make it, right? Someone who said, I will be there for you. I am with you for the end. Faithfulness cannot be dependent on emotions. Faithfulness cannot be dependent on emotions or how I feel. 
Next month, I'm going to make 25 years married to my wife. 25 years married. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. 25 years married to my wife. We've been faithful these 25 years to one another. Now, Petri has not been faithful to me because she loves me. Let me explain that. She loves me. <laughs> but I know people that love, but they can't just, they can't live together for whatever reason. I know marriages that broke up and they'll tell you, I love them, I just can't be with them. I love her, I just can't stand her. Every time I see her, I want to hit her with a truck. You know, you know I, I love her. Faithfulness cannot be dependent only on love. Especially not on how I feel. Because sometimes I don't feel like loving her. And sometimes she doesn't feel like loving me. Which is why the day we got married in the altar, this is what the priest told us. In sickness and in health. In richer or poor. And then as if that were not enough, he said, till death do his part. I'm like, darn it. So this faithfulness I have towards my wife cannot be on how I feel. Every morning I wake up, I wake up saying I am going to be faithful to my wife. Every morning she wakes up, she says, I'm going to be faithful to my husband. And so for the past 24, 11 months and three weeks from now, she has been the sugar of my coffee. She has been, she has been the caramel of my latte. She has been the syrup of my pancakes. She's been the ketchup of my fries. She's been the glaze of my donut. And she's been the boo of my life, not because of how I feel, but because I've made a commitment that I will be faithful to that woman to the rest of my life. See, God is not faithful with us. Imagine if God was faithful to you based on how he felt about you. Imagine if God, you know what, you're a sinner, you're a liar, you're a cheater, you're crazy, you're, you're wacko. I ain't going to be faithful to you. But God's faithfulness does not depend on how he feels about me. God's faithfulness is based on who he is. Listen to me. But the reality is, that we have all been, ex we have all been exposed and impacted or impressed by people's faithfulness or lack thereof. While others, if we're honest with ourselves, we've broken faithful, faithfulness promises as well. Sometimes we're quick to be like, well, he wasn't faithful and she wasn't faithful. No, sometimes you ain't faithful either. The reality is that we've all have broken promises to others especially especially us parents especially us parents I want to you know many of us as parents we've broken our promises to our kids and then when our kids say papa you promised you're like, oh shut up get out of here 
But as parents, we've broken promises to our kids. And when they hold us accountable to those promises, but Papa, you said you was going to take me. But Papa, you said we was going to do this. And now I did it, and then I got A's, and I got B's, and you didn't keep your promise. And the reason why many times we cannot keep our promise is because of this reality. We are human beings living in a fallen nature. So it's impossible to be faithful all the time when we are formed in sin and shaped in iniquity. But God promised and God encourages us that he will be faithful to keep his promises. Now listen to this. On the one hand, we have us human beings who are not faithful at all. At all. We try and God help us, you know, the Holy Spirit. But the reality is if we're honest with ourselves, our faithfulness has but certain limits. The blessing of God in our lives is that when we have God in our hearts and in our lives, faithfulness is not something that comes and goes when it comes to God. Because everything God is, is as eternal as God is. God is eternal. That's why God doesn't have love. God is love. Because there's not a moment in who God is that God says today there's no love in me. Because any expression that God expresses, because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, outside of Jesus Christ when he came to the planet, no one can see God. No one can see God. But we know God is and we know he is, exists not because we've seen him but because of the way he manifests himself is as a result of God's expressions that we know that God is real. Now, every expression that God expresses has to be as godly as the way God is. If God expresses an aspect of who he is and it is not as godly and or as eternal as God, well then that makes God not qualifiable to be God. So everything God expresses has to be godly, has to be holy, has to be eternal. He cannot be a God that expresses something for a season because if he does, then he doesn't qualify to be God. That's why the Bible says that God's mercy endures forever. Because if it doesn't endure forever, then God is not merciful. That's why the Bible says that God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Why? Because if God does not love at a moment in his existence, then he ceases to be God. Because the only way you can be God is if you are who you are at all the time throughout all eternity. Now, can I get an amen? So he is everything at the same time, and he doesn't stop being what he is because he's God. Now, if he's God, that means that everything he does is eternal. That means his love is eternal. That means his peace is eternal. But that also means that God's righteousness, God's judgment is eternal. And God has to always exhibit all of his attributes eternally. So now, so now, so now, you and I that are humans, you and I that fail God, you and I that are sinners, you and I that are not perfect, when God looks at us, the composition of everything that God is looks at us and everything that God is wants to operate in us 
as a result of who God is. Let me explain. Okay. When God sees you and God sees me, his love says, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. His peace says, I'm going to give him peace, 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 peace. But his righteousness says, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. Kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. Because you're holy. He's a sinner. You cannot be with sinners. Because you said that the person who sinned will surely die. You said that the wages of sin is death. He's a sinner. Kill him, kill him. So God is loving, 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 loving. Mercy is merciful, 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 merciful. Peace is giving out peace, 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 peace. But then God's judgment is saying, God, you got to kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. If you don't kill him, then you're not righteous. And if you're not righteous, then you're not God. So now God is saying, I got to kill man because he's a sinner. But then love is saying, you can't kill him because if you kill him, then you're not loving. And then mercy says, you can't kill him because if you kill him, where's your mercy? So this is why when God saw the dilemma of mankind, he sent his son Jesus so that when Jesus died on the cross, judgment said, aha, 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 kill Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, righteousness said, forgive him now because your judgment has been fulfilled when you gave Jesus on the cross. That's why when I come to church, I am not condemned. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Jesus, judgment is satisfied and I'm forgiven, I'm restored, I'm accepted, and I belong in the family of faith. That's the God you serve, church. A faithful that's why when God makes a promise, God is faithful to keep his promises. Psalms 36, 5, this. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. And Psalms 89, verse 1 and 2 says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. So church, I want to encourage you. Although we're living unfaithful lives, although we have experienced unfaithfulness from the people around us, the God that we serve is a faithful, loving, righteous, merciful God. Who wants to do this? Who in the midst of our failures and our shortcomings, he says, here's what I want to give you. I want to give you protection. I want to offer you protection. I want to offer you covering. I want to forewarn you of the things that are to come because I believe in you. We live in a state where we have hurricanes and tornadoes and storms. And every time there's a storm coming and there's a hurricane coming, you turn on television and in every television channel and every news channel, they're going to stand up and they're going to tell you, hey, I just want to let you know that hurricane, whatever her name is, she's on her way and she's, she's a category three. And so you got to go to Walmart and go get your gallons of water and go get your canned goods and go get your batteries. And that's when everybody's going crazy, buying everything and buying everything and generators and candles and batteries. I mean, you buy because somebody said, listen, there's a danger coming. Y'all need to get ready. And we prepare for what's about to come. And so we empty out Walmart, we empty out Target, we, I mean, we empty it all out. 
because somebody made it their business to let us know there's a tornado coming which can ultimately produce fear and ultimately produce destruction. And I'm here to tell you today that just like the social media and the news do all this stuff, there's a God in heaven that promised you, listen, he promises you protection. Now, here's the difference. When you turn on TV and you hear those news, we enter in a state of panic. Oh, my God, I got to cut, and I got to go quick, and I got to go get the milk, and I got to get the gallons of water, and I got to get this, and oh, my God, I never know, and I got to buy panels, and I got to put sheetrock on my walls, and I got to put this, and oh, my God, oh, my God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and we're singing Kumbaya. It's going to happen, and there's a fear in us. But God's God, when God comes, he doesn't come to warn us only. He comes to remind us of the promise that he has for us. So in the middle of a storm, right, in the middle of a storm, when you hear the news, you go crazy. But in the middle of a, of a crisis, when God speaks to you, he doesn't tell you of the storm that's coming. He's telling you of the promise that he's made for you. That's why I can, I can handle the storm with a smile on my face and a pep on my step. You know why? Because whenever God tells me something is coming, it's coming with a promise. He will say, in the world you will be, you will be afflicted. But then he'll bring me a promise and he'll say, but have cheer in this. I have overcome the world. He'll tell you many of the afflictions of the righteous. But then he'll tell you, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. I like when God gives me a warning because every warning of God comes with a promise from God. So I can look at my storm and I can look at my hurricane and I can look at my betrayal and smile in the name of Jesus. Because I know that if God prepared me, it's because God has more, better, bigger, greater things in my life. God's promises is your armor against doubt. And fear. It's his way of saying, I got your back. But some of you today are already thinking how horrible 2019 is going to be because of how bad you struggled in 2018. Some of y'all, you're like, oh my God, we have four more weeks for the end of the year. I can only imagine how horrible it's going to be. Oh my God, Jesus, I don't want it to come. Oh my God, it's going to happen. Oh my God, 2019 is going to be crazy. And we're entering into the new year with frustrations. We're entering into the new year with panic. We're entering in the new year with anxiety. We're entering in the new year with all of these negative dispositions. But I'm here to remind you that God is not telling you that there's a hurricane coming. God is giving you a promise. And that promise is your armor against every doubt and every fear and every uncertainty. I'm here to tell you that God's promises are greater than the storms of life. I'm here to tell you that God's promises are more powerful than the storms you can go through. That's why when Job in the Bible lost everything he lost. His kids were murdered in a storm. His wife betrayed him. He lost his money. He lost his riches. He lost everything he had. But in the middle of losing it all, he got a little itching issue as well. And while he's scratching himself to death, he looks at his wife and he says, shall we just give God thanks for the good and not the bad? The Lord gave and the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you live life like that, you're understanding that God's faithfulness is not that you don't go through struggles. God's faithfulness is that in the middle of your struggle, you're still standing on the promises of God because God has been faithful toward you. There are people here that are afraid for next year because of what's going to come. But here's what the Lord tells you in Psalms 91 and 4. He says, Listen, and by the way, many, 
seldom other times in the Bible that God expresses himself in the form of a female. Most of the times God expresses in the Bible is a man, a male, Abba, Father, Father of God. But very few times in Scripture, because the Bible was written in a patriarchal era, the Bible was written in an era where the highest form of living was the male, right? Because God made man first. And so there's always that connotation that whenever they want to refer to God, they refer to God in what humans thought was the greatest to themselves. And that's why everything in the Bible is always attributed in male form. It's because they want, to them, male was the biggest position. Not because women were inferior, but because that's just the way it was, right? So, so you don't hardly see many scriptures where God describes himself as a female or in a feministic connotation. But this is one of the few scripture when, when, where, where the psalmist is going to express how God has the capacity to manifest himself in the context of a female. And look what he says in Psalms 91 and 4. He says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Now, now to understand the scripture, you have to think about a chicken. When a chicken has a little chicklets and the storm is coming and rain is coming and, and, and the winds, the robust winds come, here's what the mother chicken does. She opens her wings and all her little chicklets begin to cradle themselves under the wing of the mama and the mama begins to protect the chicklets from the rain and from the lightning and from the storm. When a predator is out to kill one of the chicken's mama, the, the, the mama's chicken, here's what mama chicken does. Mama begins to open up her wings and she's not going, I don't, I don't know what she does, something like that. Right? And she starts making a weird noise and all of her little chicklets know, I gotta go on the mama's wing. I gotta go, why? Because mama's wing represents protection. Mama's wing represents covering. Mama's ring, wing represents the place where I can find refuge in the midst of storms. And David is telling us today that he will cover you with his feathers. When you're in the middle of your storm and in the middle of your heartache and in the middle of your betrayal and in the middle of people not being faithful to you, instead of running away from God, listen to the voice of God that he is calling out your name and he is saying, if you only abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you'll receive protection, you'll receive transformation, you'll receive deliverance so today the Lord is saying like a mama chicken I'm opening my arms wide so that you can come under me so that I can show you how much I love you in spite of what you've been going through you come to me you gotta come to me have you forgotten church that God has protected you throughout all of 2018 everything you've been through this year it's for you to go crazy. Everything you've been through this year is for you to lose your mind. Everything you've gone through this year is for you to pack up your bags and get out of here and live in a jungle somewhere. But the reason why you haven't lost your mind is because some kind of way you understood that he that abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the secret under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwells in that place will abide. I'm here to tell you, church. I'm here to encourage you, church. I know 2018 has been tough. I know 2018 has been difficult. But the Lord is opening his arms. Arms. He is opening his feathers and he is saying, come to me, come to me. 
Because your doubts and your fear of 2019 is causing you to lose focus. That 2019 does not equal a year of frustration. 2019 equals the year of more and abundance. So our perspective, as we get closer to the next year, our perspective of 2019 cannot be one of fear and uncertainty. Our expectation of next year has got to be, God, if I've been through hell and back and you've been faithful, oh, God, there's so much more you have in store for me in 2019. And I'm just going to stay under your feathers and I'm going to stay under your wings. And wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go because the best place is wherever God is. And when you get there, here's what's going to happen God will give you more like the eagle did you know that when eagles are born when eagles are born they're born with no feathers eagles are not born with feathers they're at their most vulnerable state when they're born but here's what the mama eagle does she protects their eaglets from the wind and from the rain and she does it by using her feathers. Why? And she's staying there. And every so often she'll go get food. And she'll go get something to eat. And she'll bring it back to her, to her eaglet. And, and the reason why she, she has to come and go and come and go and feed them and feed them and feed them and come and go is because she knows that they're not ready to fly. They have no feathers. They cannot fly. Because they're not, it takes a while to produce those feathers. Let me submit to you that 2018 has been the year when God has been using the storms of life to cause you to start building out the feathers in you. And you've been saying, God, I haven't been able to fly out of this circumstance. I haven't been able to leave out of this dilemma. Where have you been? And God is saying, Papa, I've been there all along. I'm the one that's been bringing you food. That's why every time you come to church, I'm giving you a word. And you can't fly now, and you can't take off yet, and you're still in your hell, and you're still in your crisis, but every time I come to your nest, I'm coming to feed you. But I'm here to let you know, church, that while you've been crying, and while you've been struggling, and while you've been in pain, you haven't realized that the feathers are beginning to grow that your potential is beginning to grow and next year you will be ready to enter into the realm of going into the height of God because God will use your crisis to take you to another dimension. Listen to me. 2018 for many has been a year of preparation. A year of new beginning. A year of no feathers. You've been as cold as you can be. Life has been as rough as it has been. But 2018 has been a year of preparation. 2018 has been a year of God orchestrating something new. 2018 has been the year of God processing something new. And it is no coincidence that in the Bible, the number eight is the number of new beginnings. I'm here to tell you this year has been your process. And this year has been your journey. And this year has been your ups and your downs. But get ready because I smell 2019. The number nine is the year of birth. The number number nine is the year of fulfillment. I'm here to tell you, you've been in your process and and you've been in your hell and you've been in your pain and you've been in your turmoil but you're gonna get ready to take flight you're gonna get ready to take off you're gonna get ready to see what eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard it's about to happen in your life listen to me so you're here today in 2018 because god has protected you to take you into 2019 
because he has more for you. Some of us thought that this year we was going to give up. Some of us thought that we were going to hang in the towel this year. Some of us, because of what we've been through, we said, you know what? I am done. I quit. I give up. I'm just going to be depressed. I'm just going to be unhappy. I'm just going to be frustrated. But I'm here to tell you that God's protection has been keeping you from falling apart. That's what have you noticed when you felt I'm quitting and that Sunday you came to church, God gave you a word that went against your spirit of quitting. Have you noticed that every time you, you was about to give up and hang up the towel, you came to church and God gave you a word and the atmosphere of praise was so powerful that it gave you another week and every Sunday and every week you think quitting but every Sunday God encourages you why does he do that he doesn't do that to keep you like a yo-yo up and down he's reminding you that greater things are coming he's reminding you something big is about to happen so next week when you come to church with tears in your eyes and bills in your pocketbook and crisis in your home come saying the Lord has protected me and I am under the wings of the almighty God and he is faithful to his word and I will enter 2019 in the power of provision for my life. Listen to me, church. The challenge and the problem is that some of us find it difficult to embrace God's faithfulness because of our sins. And so we say, God, you can't be faithful to me. What I just did last week, my sinful lifestyle, some of us have a problem embracing God's faithfulness. Because we're living in a continual habitual lifestyle of sin. And so the question is, how can you embrace God's faithfulness when you're self-condemning yourself, when the enemy is accusing you? And this is one of the challenges that many people have in growing in their walk with God. We tend to let the power of sin overtake our minds and overtake our lives. And some of you are living in this reality to such a degree that some of y'all have lost sleep over something that you've committed a long time ago. Some of y'all are stuck in the past of a sin you committed five years ago, ten years ago, whatever sin it was, whatever sin it was. Because it could have been abortion. It could have been a bad marriage. It could have been a drug use. It could have been a betrayal of somebody that you did years ago and you're still stuck today thinking and reminiscing on what happened to you years ago and you're stuck and you can't lose and you're losing sleep and you don't have rest and every time you think God's going to use you the devil brings that back but here's what I'm going to tell you what the Bible says to those of us that are dealing with challenges how do I overcome the sin that I'm always being reminded of look what the apostle John tells the church in first John chapter 1 and verse 9 listen to what he says he says if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is the antidote for being free from the bondage of the sin you've committed? It is confessing and repenting and telling God to forgive you from your sins. Why? Because when we confess our sins to him, here's what we do. When you confess your sins to God, you take the power away from the devil. You take the authority from the devil. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the saints. Every time you sin, this is what the devil does. He's going to remind you of every sin you committed. He's going 
to remind you of every fault you've made. He's going to remind you of every setback you've made because that's his job. But once you repent and you confess, he and he brings it up. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Yes, I did that. Yes, I committed. Yes. But the difference now, Mr. Devil, is that I took that and I confessed it to Jesus and Jesus forgave me. So now, a year ago, when you would tell me that, I would cry. But today, when you tell me that, you're just reminding me how faithful God is because God is not intimidated by the sin I committed. He is convinced that his blood and his power and his name is greater than my sin. So here's what you need to do to get away from that spirit of condemnation. Confess your sin. Repent from your sin. Walk away. Pastor, my issue was the last three years ago. I sinned last night. My thing was last night. You probably failed God last night or even this morning. But his faithfulness is available to you right now, this very moment. Look what Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23 says. It says, they are new every morning. I'm thankful that God's mercy is available to me every morning. I'm thankful to God that I, because listen, 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 listen. No matter how hard your day is, here's one thing you know. The sun's coming tomorrow, right? If you don't believe me, ask Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. Tomorrow, right, right? Sun's coming out tomorrow. And no matter how gray your day may be, right? And gray and lonely, I just lift my chin and grin and say, Listen to me. Here's one thing I can tell you tomorrow's coming. Tomorrow's gonna come. It's raining right now, but tomorrow's coming. It might be lightning right now. But tomorrow's coming. You might be crying this moment. But tomorrow. And God says, my faithfulness and my mercy is going to come every single morning. So every time you wake up, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Every time you wake up, tell the devil, yeah, I did that last year. But God's mercy and God's love and God's faithfulness is new for me today. They are new every morning. And then he says, great is your faithfulness. So even when people have abandoned you because you failed, he is faithful and righteous to forgive you. Even when people have a reason not to be with you, God says, I ain't going to leave you. I'm with you. I got your back. Look what Lamentation 3.22 says. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. What does that mean? That yeah, God knows I'm, I'm like, like we say with the kids. God knows I jake up. God knows I screw up. God knows I, I mess up. God knows I God knows I commit sin. But His great love is greater than the thing that is designed to consume us. His great love is greater for His compassions never fail. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. That's the God you serve. Let me ask you a question. How many times did you confide in someone and that person has put you down in front of others? Come on, let's be honest. Hey, it's between you and me, I did this. And that person took that stuff and went viral. I'm talking about viral. They got mad friends because of, of your crisis. But I'm here to tell you, church, 
2018 has been a year of restoration for many of y'all. 20 year, 20, 2018 has been a year of no feathers about to flourish into feathers. And God has restored your life in this year. And unlike people that throw your sin out there, God is not in the business of taking your sin and throwing it out there and embarrassing you. I don't know what God other people serve, but the God I serve is not in the business of exposing people's failures and sin and, and bringing on no, no, That's not the God I serve. The God I serve restores you. And like he did to the woman, he asked her, this adulterous woman, he asked her, Mama, where are your accusers? And she looked around and she says, I don't see them. And you know what he told her? They don't accuse you. I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. The God we serve is not interested in how sinful you've lived. He is interested in you living a life worthy to the cause that he has called you for. God has restored your life. Many have you. Many have called you. Not to help you when you were down. Uh-uh. But to question the sin you committed to then gossip about you. But God, after he restores you, he calls you to more. God, after he restores you, he calls you to more. So he is faithful to forgive your sins. Number two, I'm almost done. He is faithful when you don't see him working. God is faithful when you don't see him working. And that's a dilemma we have when it comes to our faith. Because we're living in a society and we're living in a time where we are so advanced technologically. Where we want everything now. We want every. I remember, I remember years ago. Years ago. When, when there was no, no Wi-Fi, you know, when we had to fax and scan, you don't know about that. I remember back in the days when there was no cellular phones. I remember, I remember, matter of fact, there's this thing that they used to call back then, it's called AOL. Remember that? AOL? Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, remember Earthlink? Yeah, okay. You guys are old. AOL was internet, but it was connected to a phone line. And so I would have to open the computer, turn on the computer, and go on the website. And, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't like it is today. I would hit www. Blah, 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 and then when, 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 as the page would download, it would make a weird noise like, you, during that time, you could have you made dinner. You could have watched a basketball game. Because it would take so long to get the internet, right? And we were patient about it. Like, all right, AOL is doing her thing. Let me go do some and tear up and right. Nowadays, if you go and open your internet on your phone and you don't get access to the internet page you're trying to go trying to go to in five seconds, you want to change your phone plan. You want more minutes. You 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 ram. The devil is in this thing. I want to go to switch to Verizon because this is slow. Because we live in a generation that we want everything now. And the thing is, the thing is, we can operate with God like that. Because God, unlike internet, God likes to take his time. I, listen, I don't know about y'all. But there's no comparison. Right? To a microwave rice. Let's change it. There's no comparison. To a lasagna that is frozen in the Walmart. And you microwave it for 30 seconds. There's no comparison 
to a handmade lasagna. Something about the cheese that is handmade is just more anointed. It's like speaking tongues in Italian style. Bambino, que lo que pasa aquí, bambino? You, you want to... Every time I eat that handmade Italian food, I feel like, I feel like I'm a godfather. I'm, I want my wife to kiss my ring. And I'm going to make you offer you can't refuse. You make it up, you can't refuse. Because there's something about there's something about that original thing. But when you eat, when you eat a microwave thing, it, it, if you don't eat it right there and then and you wait five seconds, the crust gets hard. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of us, we want to treat God like a microwave. No, no. God don't work that way. God, God, God uses time. And sometimes when you don't see him working, it doesn't mean that he's not working with his arms crossed. There's some things that he's working in him not showing up that you can grow and you can be stronger and you can have patience and you can have tenacity so when you don't see God working he's trying to make out of you so don't quit on God be faithful in his promises don't give up on God be faithful in his promises because God does his best work when you can't see him we want to treat God like the internet we want to treat God like an application and God is saying, no, I need to take my time, not because I'm working. No, God can speak a word and it's done. But God uses the delay of time to bring in you the fruit of the Spirit. It is through the delay of time that you have joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, meekness, kindness. So God allows these things to happen. Not because he's taking, it takes God 20 minutes to do what you need. No, it's already done. The Bible says that everything in God is yes and amen. Everything is done. But when God doesn't show up and when God doesn't do it, if he called you, he's going to bring you through. But until he brings you through, he's going to allow the things around you to prepare you. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. Ain't going to be when you want it. Ain't going to be how you want it but when it comes don't settle for what you've been through in 2018 understand there's greater bigger stronger things God has called you to experience because he has more for you I'm closing I'm closing God will bring to pass everything he's promised he will complete his work in you Paul says this in first in Philippians chapter number one verse 26 verse 6 I'm sorry he says for I am confident of this very thing. That he who began the good work in me or in you is will perfect it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He who began. When did God begin with us? The day we gave him our hearts. The day we gave Jesus the hearts, that was the day that God began his work. He says, I, the one who began, I am faithful and I'm going to bring it and I'm going to give you the capacity to experience the fulfillment of the good work I have in you. I will perfect it unto the day of Jesus Christ's return. That's why when people say you're not going to make it, let me tell y'all, some people thought that you was not going to make it in 2018. Some people thought that you was going to close this year, you are going to be backslidden, you was going to be crazy, you are going to lose your mind, you was going to be crazy. People thought that you were not going to make it towards the end of this year, but 2018 was just the beginning towards you to go towards more. So the greater the struggles, 
greater the blessings. He knows what is good for us. And this is why the writer of Lamentations chapter 324 says, The Lord is my portion. Therefore, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm not going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm not going to be like, so when he's going to do it, unless he do it, I ain't going to church. No, no, Lord, Lord, until you do it, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to love you. I'm coming to church, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve until you make a way, until, because I know my portion is coming big. I know what you have for me is great. I know what you have for me is miraculous. And so I can't wait here with my arms crossed until it comes. I will serve the Lord. So, church, when you put your trust in the Lord, you can rest assured that God is everything you need. That he is your portion that sustains you. But makes and gives you the desire for more as you're journeying through your crisis and your turmoil. So he is faithful to forgive our sins. Number two, he is faithful when you don't see him working. Number three, when we are not faithful, he remains faithful. When we are not faithful. God is still faithful. Listen to me. Some of us are faithful at our jobs. Why? Not because we like our boss. Some of us can't stand our boss. Some of us, we are faithful at our jobs. Not, not because we like the environment. We're faithful at our jobs because we get paid. Right? We do it for the money. Some people actually enjoy their jobs, but others, they just do it to get paid, which is why you're faithful. You're not faithful to your job because you like your boss. You're faithful to your job because you like your money. Right? Now, the reason why your boss can't, your boss can't fire you because you don't like him, because you liking him is not in the criteria for applying for that job. The only way a boss can fire you is, well, we're in a state, you know, right to work state here. It's a little different. But, but the only way a person can fire you is if you don't comply with the rules and regulations, right? So if you work nine to five, you got to be there at nine, right? You cannot like, the boss might not like you, but he can't fire you under the premise that he don't like you. Now, the boss could love you, but if you're always coming in 30 minutes late, he got he to let you go. Because what keeps you at a job is that you stay within the guidelines and the parameters of the rules for that position. So Hulk, you got to come in at 9, leave at 5, get a 30-minute lunch break, 15-minute, you know, whatever you do. But you want to show up in 20 minutes late. You want to take 45 minutes late because you and your boss go way back. Only to get fired, and then you're mad at the boss because he fired you. No, you broke the rule. You did not stay within the guidelines of, the, of what this job description required and demanded you to do. And many times, even though we don't like our boss, we're faithful. We don't take time off. We're the first one in and we're the last one out. We're faithful at our job. We're there and we never get a raise and we never get a promotion. And we're faithful to something we don't like, to someone we don't like. Yet the God that loves us, sometimes we're not faithful to him. We come to church whenever we want. We don't get involved in the church. No, right? 
I ain't giving today. It's cold outside. I ain't getting involved. This, this is not my day today. I'm not in the mood. And this is the one you say you love. And this is the one you said that died for you and gave his life for you. And we're more committed for people we don't like than to the God that loves us. And I'm here to tell you, church, even in spite of that, even when we know that we're not faithful to God to the level that we should be, you know what's crazy? That God doesn't treat us the way we treat him. Imagine if God says today, I ain't giving you no blessing today because you haven't even talked to me all week. I ain't gonna, you ain't going to feel my spirit today because you've been ignoring me all week. I'm not going to make a way for you financially because you haven't given a penny in the five years you've been going to church. And now you want me to bless you. Where were you? Imagine if God were like that with us. So even when we're not faithful, he remains faithful. And sometimes we're faithful to people and things that we know that are not faithful to us. Yet the God we know who's always consistent in being faithful, we slack with him. We slack with him. Paul tells us today in 2 Timothy, he tells us if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And then he tells us why. Because God, he cannot deny himself because faithfulness is who he is. So what, is, what does God's faithfulness mean? And I'm closing. It means he doesn't quit on us even when we may have and many may have as well. It means he doesn't fail us when others have failed us. It means that he keeps his words even when many have failed us with their words. It means that he will not forsake us even when everybody has forsaken us. It means that he will take us into more if we stay under his feathers and under his protection. So in every relationship, faithfulness is expected from both individuals. God will always remain faithful to his word and to us because it's part of his nature and who he is. But today God wants more than you and he wants more than you. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.